Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown. Kansas City. McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman with the catch. How much does it hurt? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, anybody got a nail he can step on? That will require a tetanus shot. You have to firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Super Bowl Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you. Hello, hello. And the latest iteration of the Sportsnet 650 intern program, Intern Jag. Good morning to you. Good morning. Hey, everybody's here. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in Hour 1 of the program. Hour 1 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices in scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what you're waiting for. So, how's everybody feeling out there in listener land? Hey, it's Super Bowl Monday, Hangover Monday. We got a big show ahead. How are you doing? I'm still full. Yeah, I ate a lot of food yesterday. I, uh, I overate. Did you? Yeah. We, had a, we had a lot of pulled pork. I know not your favorite. Mm. Not your favorite. It was quite good. Thank you, Cesare, for making the pulled pork. Um, so I did a, f- a thing yesterday. Yeah. I decided to disconnect from my phone. Yeah, that was, that was a very random time to decide to disconnect from your phone. Yeah, we thought you died. Like yeah. a, a really random time during the Super Bowl. Well... In my defense, we had a big mm. party. There okay. was a lot of people there. I wanted to engage with the people. No, I, which I, we were I invited to. I, yeah. th- I think it's awesome, but you went completely dark. Yeah. And you are a member of like three or four of my group texts. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, uh, so I'm texting, I'm texting Halford during the game. Like, uh, I think I texted him at the end of the third quarter. And I'm like, okay, here's the plan for tomorrow. Let's, uh, you know, like, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing. It was a bold decision. Nothing. And for a few hours, too. Yeah. Right? And so I finally gave him the, at like 9.30 last night, after I'd sent out the prep notes, I'm like, are you okay? That's when I knew it was serious. We should have called, we should have called the cops <laughs> to go to his house and check on him. That's when I knew I had made a mistake. You should pro- I should have probably given everyone the heads up that or, I, or, I was going to do that. Or put the uh, thing on your phone where you, you say... Um, what is it? it the dis- notifications. Do not silenced. disturb. Do yeah, not disturb. The DND. Do not disturb might have been like more jarring than anything. I'm <laughs> like, during cool. the Super Bowl? Like, I, th- I thought we chatted about the game a little bit, you know? So He's we do have. Super focused. Now, part of the notes that Jason sent while I was in a sort of holding pattern uh, said, don't waste any time because we have a lot to get to. We do have a lot to get to. It was an incredibly busy weekend in the world of sports. We'll go through the guest list real quick. Begins at 6.30. David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host. There was a ton going on with the Canucks and a ton going on across the National Hockey League. So we'll get to David at 6.30 about all that. 
7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider. We might talk about the Super Bowl with him. 8 o'clock, uh, very excited, although it comes at the expense of Randy Janda, who's under the weather. Brett Festerling is going to join the show. He, of course, does uh, the color for play-by-play, Sportsnet 650 Canucks games. He called both games over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, very exciting weekend for the Canucks. Speaking of those Vancouver Canucks, they get a chance to exact revenge on Jake Wallman and the Detroit Red Wings on February 15th. And we're giving away tickets to it. We have a pair of tickets, Canucks, Red Wings, Thursday, February 15th. We're going to give those tickets to the best what we learned. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. We'll keep it real simple today. What did you learn over the last 72 hours in sports? Let us know. Put a ticket emoji into your text. Hashtag it WWL. Actually sounds more confusing now that I said it out loud. Mm. And send it to 650-650. You could win a pair of tickets it's to exact a, revenge. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, okay. That's yeah, yeah. The whole theme of the show now is about yeah. exacting revenge. Mm-hmm. I thought that Red Wings game was pretty good on Saturday morning, actually. Yeah. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I did not so. care. Did you like the gritty? I did not care for the gritty. Like, if, if a guy slapping a puck into an open net is cause for retribution, I feel like busting out a gritty on someone is also cause. <laughs> it may have made a hockey fan out of my two-year-old daughter, though, who laughed really, really hard when it happened. And then the next day mentioned... Hockey player dancing. Wow. So those Canucks fans that took offense to that, well, there's a new fan in my household. I want, I want one of the Canucks to hit him and then do the gritty over his lifeless body. <laughs> <laughs> That's my goal for working, the next game. <laughs> working in reverse on the guest list. Brett Festerling at 8, Mike Tannier at 7.30, David Amber at 6.30. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. We will begin with the football of the American variety. The Kansas City Chiefs became the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls in 19 years, beating the San Francisco 49ers 25 to 22 in overtime, just the second overtime game in the 58-year history of the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes wins MVP. Brock Purdy, not so bad. Unfortunate for Jawan Jennings, becoming just the second person in Super Bowl history to catch and throw a touchdown all in the background now, including Travis Kelsey's big second half. Chiefs win. What'd you think of the game? Uh, well, it didn't start out all, all, all that well. It was no. um, pretty sloppy and pretty um, non-eventful. Uh, there will be people that like the, you know, you know the the diehards that are like, no, it was great defensive football. I was like, mm, the purists, no, if you will. Not really. Uh, but what a finish. Uh, maybe the NFL uh, is actually scripted. Uh, the Niners, at the end of the day, just couldn't put the Chiefs away early. They were easily the better team early on but they could only build a 10 point lead they were up 10 nothing um, which sounds like a pretty good lead but not against Patrick Mahomes not in the new NFL where there's a lot of points scored Um, Brock Purdy you mentioned didn't play badly overall but he wasn't great either didn't really help that he's not a game manager type conversations we had coming into the Super Bowl no uh, especially in the second half, um, you know, when he had to go out and make some plays. There was a third and five, you know, didn't make it. Third and four didn't make it. Um, you don't hold it against him that the Niners lost. 
But when you think about that franchise and the quarterbacks that did get it done for them, it's a really tough situation for him because he wasn't drafted to be a great quarterback. He was the last player drafted, right? And he's done great with the expectations that were on him. But Joe Montana and Steve Young are the comparables in that franchise. And they haven't won a Super Bowl since those guys. And then you look at the quarterbacks that they've lost to. Patrick Mahomes twice. And, of course, the great elite Joe Flacco. Okay, well, it's not a perfect argument. But there's a difference between not losing a game for your team Mm -hmm. and and going like, man, he wasn't wasn't awful. Like, he wasn't terrible. It's not like he was throwing a bunch of interceptions out there. But there's a difference between not losing a game for your team and going out and winning it for your team. Purdy did the former. Patrick Mahomes did the latter. Davy Boy texts into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Davy Boy, maybe it's Davy Boy Smith. Uh, in overtime, San Francisco brought field goals to a touchdown fight. What better way <laughs> like to lead that. in to the call of the night? All due respect to Nance and Romo, who actually didn't have a great night on the call. There was a lot of articles written about that. Uh, we will go to Westwood one. And the illustrious Kevin Harlan. Here's what it sounded like. Mahomes to McCole Hardman for the win in overtime. Chiefs win their third Super Bowl in the last five years. First and goal at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front. Receiver in motion. Low snap. He runs and he throws. Caught. Touchdown. It's caught. Hardman caught the ball. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won. The entire bench empties, chasing Mahomes in the end zone. Their third Super Bowl in five years. The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It is a dynasty. Okay, so you were uh, mentioning how Jim Nance and Tony Romo didn't have the greatest game. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that's on the guys in the truck because the game-winning call... Romo was still, it felt like he was still explaining the rules of overtime. And I think that someone in the truck should have been like early on, <laughs> like when it's halfway through the quarter, because yeah. I was sitting there uh, at my Super Bowl party. Were you wondering? I, I was wondering what happened if the quarter ended and the Chiefs still had the ball, but they hadn't tied the game. Yeah, yet, yeah, yeah. Right, like a lot of people did. I, I, I don't think anyone. I, I think a lot of people were like, "Well, what? Wait a minute. Is it, is it over then? Like, because the quarter's over. I know, I know, I knew the new rules yeah. where you were guaranteed to have a possession, in, you know, in, in overtime. But I didn't know what happened if the, if the first quarter expired. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. And then, they, and then they waited for like fifteen seconds left in the first quarter because mm-hmm. I was one of those guys like. Why aren't they taking a timeout? Are they going to tie the Super Bowl? What's happening? Like here? I, I, I wondered. Okay, well, maybe it just goes to another quarter or whatever. But I, anyway. Okay, well, hold on. But I do want because CBS, the guys on CBS Radio before us on the way mm-hmm. in, they were talking about this, and it's funny because the rules don't really make sense because if you like, the, there's a score that will end the game in a sense in sudden death, not right off a hop, right? Everyone gets a chance, but right. at a certain point, the game does end. Why do they still have a quarter? But the then? clock Just, exists yeah. as a regular game. Like if, yeah. so, if it had gone to a second quarter of overtime, mm-hmm. there would have been a two-minute warning. 
Yeah, yeah, there would have been because the, w- the second quarter would have been the second sudden, quarter sudden death, would have been right? like the second quarter of a regular season game time oh, I wise. See. Okay, if it had gone that long, we're, like, we're gonna have to put together a halftime show. Not here. sure, you're back, <laughs> Little John. Get back out there. Okay, were you excited to see Little John? <laughs> Little Jonathan? Little Jonathan? Oh, oh, it was amazing. So, so at I thought any it was rate. very appropriate for our show that, like, I didn't know we we did. We had an inside look at the Super Bowl halftime show. But we were talking about Lil John last week. That's how ahead of the curve we were. Anyway. Uh, so back to the story of the two quarterbacks, which is often how games are boiled down. I'm not blaming Purdy. And I think there's a lot of Niners fans out there that are probably like, they're probably in a state of shock. I mean, this is now three Super Bowl losses in the last not too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all had... You know, it was kind of like a similar story where you liked your team, but you just weren't 100% sure about the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. Kaepernick, Jimmy G, and now Brock Purdy. Um, Well, I'll tell you. You got to credit the Chiefs' defense for sure. Like, they they played well. I mentioned, you know, the third and four and the third and five where they didn't get it done, especially the first third and four uh, where the Chiefs blitzed and. I mean, they, they didn't give Purdy any time. And really, that happened on the second one, too. Um, but the difference in the end, can we all agree, was the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history already, and he's still only 28. Like, I was watching his post-game interview, and he said, this game was a microcosm of our season. And he meant that everyone made contributions, but also, I imagine that it was a microcosm of our season because the Chiefs' season wasn't pretty no. at times. Um, and there were some people doubting them, but ultimately they came through in the end. Remember that the Chiefs, not too long ago, and I'm talking about Christmas, they were pretty pedestrian 9-6 and six after losing to the Raiders on Christmas. And I remember Andy Reid had spent a few weeks talking about all the mental mistakes that kept costing the Chiefs, and then they made more of them in that Christmas game. There was a couple uh, turnovers that the Raiders took advantage of, and all of a sudden you're like, ugh, the Chiefs. Like, Horrible wide receiving they don't, they don't, Yeah, They don't yeah, they, they don't look good, and, 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 but, they, but in the back of everyone's mind – you know, I saw a few people like on the Chiefs that were like, the media were writing us off. I was like, nobody was writing you off because we kept on saying it's, it's, you do not write off a team that has Patrick Mahomes. Mike, you're all just from Brockville with an early what we learned. Bruff proved that sometimes the simplest answer is the correct answer in your lock of the week. You said the team with Patrick Mahomes is the team that's most likely to win the Super Bowl. Let's hear now from Patrick Mahomes, laddie, talking about greatness following an MVP performance in a 25-22 to win over the Niners yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I hope people remember not only the greatness that we have in the field, but the way that we, we've done it. I mean, I, I feel like we, we enjoy it every single day. We have fun. We play hard. Um, and it's not always pretty, but we just continue to fight to the very end. And Interesting cutoff there. Let's move ahead. Anything else? Anything, anything else? That was courtesy Fox. What else yeah, was going to say? <laughs> uh, let's move to the Vancouver Canucks. Now, we spent 15 minutes talking about the Super Bowl. That's enough for Sports Talk Radio, right? Uh, big weekend for the Vancouver Canucks. An overtime loss. A, a very, very entertaining overtime loss to the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday. But as is often the case when the Canucks play a back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday, we focus on the most recent event, and that was an overtime victory 
against the Washington Capitals on Sunday, courtesy a JT Miller winner. Can we hear what it sounded like on Sunday? JT Miller with the OT winner, 3-2 win against the Capitals at Capital One Arena on Sunday morning. Right wing for Patterson, skating to center. Ten seconds left in overtime. Into the Washington zone with a shot that was tipped wide of the net. McMichael takes it back to the corner, turned it over in the slot. Miller shoots. He scores! JT Miller wins it for the Canucks with 4.8 seconds left in overtime. And Vancouver takes a hard-fought affair in D.C. 3-2. to two. So, uh, it's a funny story. I, had a- I actually just turned away from the game. Like, I was watching the game on TV. Mm-hmm. And after the Canucks gave up the puck, I just like I, I think my eyes went to my phone or something like that, or I don't know somewhere in the room. I just started just anywhere staring other into than the, the distance because I was kind of like, okay, well we're going to a shootout. There was like my eyes went down because I was like, we're going to a shootout, and then I heard the winning goal. I'm like, wait a minute, I just missed that. Like what a terrible turnover by yes. Connor McMichael, who actually had a really good game for them. Very unfortunate he, for him. He, he played he played really well. Uh, played a lot against the uh, Miller Besser Lindholm line, and I thought outplayed that line at five on fives. And then he made that you know just kind of inexcusable with five seconds left pass to the middle. I'm not quite and sure what he was doing. I and even if it had been completed, like what was the upside of that? There were five seconds. Like anyway, no look behind the back. I don't know. Like, your own goal in overtime. Show all, all, all over Connor McMichael. <laughs> Damn but, you, Connor McMichael. Um, Thank you. The Canucks uh, had two games this weekend. As as you mentioned, they lost one in overtime after blowing a two goal lead, then won the other also in overtime. Um, they're now two one on two one and one on a pretty tough road trip. But the turnaround has been so stark this season that it feels like they're slumping. And I had a bunch of people on social media getting at me like, oh, is this the adversity you wanted, bruff? Is this the adversity? Because remember, coming out of the All-Star break, we had discussed, like, I almost want to see the Canucks go through some adversity just to, sure. just to, to, just to get out of the way so the adversity doesn't start, like, the moment – they get to the playoffs like the Boston Bruins last year who had that incredible regular season. Then they get to the playoffs. They're like, uh, oh, we've never faced adversity or not this season, at least. And then they go out in the first round to Florida. Um, I do think it's great that the bar has been raised to the point where the Canucks themselves aren't satisfied unless they play a really clean game. But I'm not going to come close to criticizing a team that still hasn't lost three straight games all season. Uh, Tyler Myers had a quote after the game um, Sunday, I think. He said, things have gone so well for us this year that when you lose one, it feels like the end of the world. Win or lose, we've just got to keep pushing and keep working on things to get better. Overall, it wasn't our cleanest game as a group. I thought we started to get our legs moving better in the third, but you know what? We stuck with it in the sense we were pretty good within our system, even though it wasn't our cleanest game. Yeah, there's, you know, the it, so they went into Carolina, remember, after the All-Star break, thought they played a really good game mm-hmm. against the Hurricanes. And that was a terrific hockey game, too, against yes. the Hurricanes. Best one of the trip. Just in entertainment value, it was, it was a good game. The Canes played well. The Canucks played well. There was a lot of elements to it. Could have gone either way. Then everyone's excited for the Boston game. We were like, what if this was a Stanley Cup Finals preview? And I'm like, after the game, well, I hope that wasn't a Stanley Cup Finals preview. Otherwise, the Canucks are going to get swept. Uh, they didn't play well in Boston. 
they were sloppy. Um, and I think in some ways that sloppiness, the lack, like the clean, the unclean game, it was the, the dirtiness, the, the filth, filthy game. the filth. There was still some filth left over in both the Detroit and Washington game in terms of a few mistakes here and there and defensive breakdowns. Of course, in the Detroit game, they blew a 3-1 lead. They haven't done much of that. Uh, and in the Washington game, that was just that was just kind of a slog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tockett called it mucky, with both teams playing tired. But once again, the supporting cast came up big when they were needed the most. Hoaglander, up to 15 goals on the ski on the season. He scored against Detroit. He scored against Washington. 16. And is it 16 now? Yeah, he's now he's getting 16. a chance to play with Petey. And that third line just keeps chugging along, winning the possession battle almost every game. I wonder, maybe this is a conversation for later in the show, but I wonder at which point they try and sit down with Dakota Joshua and try and get him locked up. I saw you negotiating for him after the Detroit Do game. They Actually, have, during the Detroit yeah, game. I was yeah. like, he's just been he's just been so good. And, and, and I know a lot of people are like, don't overpay for those guys. Don't overpay for those guys. But... I just think he's going to be tough to replace, not only at five on five, but on the PK. I propose a six by six. <laughs> you could. There are those deals floating in the ether for the the, the bottom six guys that are like six by three. Yeah, seven years, well, two million a year. Yeah, like if he played really for the good. Islanders, he'd be locked up already to like an eight year deal worth two million a year. He is only twenty seven years old. Not to mention the Canucks don't have a ton of size up front. You know, um, you know, I I had an idea, but. You know, I I fleshed it out a little bit with some experts from down in Abbotsford on the show. I was like, well, Abbotsford could, experts. could Pod Colson be that? But his replacement, and I think the clear answer is no, not yet. He's not even Pod Colson, not even killing penalties in the AHL, and and Dakota Joshua is one of the best. I think he's one of the best penalty killers in the league. And if you look at the underlying stats and just watch his game, that penalty kill in Detroit where they killed off the five-minute major and then a bonus two-minute penalty. Yeah. I mean, that was really, really good penalty killing. The Red Wings did not have much, and for the Canucks to then go and score right out of the end of the two-minute minor when Hronik was in there and he gets the breakaway and scores, and then they scored another one, that was that was one of the best periods of hockey they played all season. It was unfortunate that they went and blew the two-goal lead, but you know, Dakota Joshua has become just a very, very important player on this team. Yep. And that basically that whole third line after the Capitals game, Tockett gave specific kudos to Hoaglander, calling him a dog on a bone and loved his energy and loved his motor. And he was saying, listen, when you're a tired team, that's what you need from your young guys, right? Mm-hmm. And your energy players, you need energy. And Garland, who plays the same way, even though he's not, you know, one of the young players, um, they they all bring energy to the game. And Garland scored on Sunday against the Caps. So it was the supporting cast that really did help the Canucks, even though it was JT Miller who scored the game winner. Kind of a fortunate goal for JT Miller just to be there for that turnover. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk a little bit later in the show about Lindholm because, you know, even though he had that great first game with the Canucks, since then it's been an adjustment for this guy. And I'm not exactly sure 
where he's going to fit by the time the playoffs roll around. I was hoping, hoping he'd have some immediate chemistry with Petey, but they had such a tough game in Boston. They were a combined minus, or combined minus eight, but they were each minus four. Um, and they've been split up since. Um, I'm sure we'll see them together again this season, perhaps even Tuesday in Chicago where the Canucks wrap up their road trip. But Lindholm said after Saturday's game in Detroit, he's like, honestly, I got to be better. Yeah, I got to be more involved and just play better. I don't think I've played that well. Um, playing with two really good players, so I, I, I've got to be better. Uh, I did want to add on the the whole like we've talked a lot about Dakota Joshua on the show. We've talked a lot about the bottom six forward group. I don't think we've really talked enough about exactly what Nils Hoaglander has done this year. Right now, we are post All Star break. He has more goals than Matthew Barzell, Mark Stone, John Tavares, and Anze Kopitar. Mm-hmm. Like it's an amazing total. He's it's a little bit of the Cy Young. Because I think he's only got six six assists on the year. So it's a bit of a skewed stat total. But like, who cares? Like, what he's doing and the way he played over the weekend, thoroughly impressive. Now, you would hope. I love his entire story that they yeah. that he went down to the AHL. Because remember, he had some success in the NHL. He went down to the AHL. Boudreaux didn't like him. No. I mean, that was one, that, that was clear, right? Like, Boudreaux did not like his game. Um, he went down to the AHL. He stayed there. He worked his butt off. He showed that he deserved to be in the NHL. And he still kept fighting through some adversity in the NHL. You know, he was a healthy scratch a couple times this season under Rick Tockett. He had things to learn. He always, But what I always liked about Hoaglander, I think what everyone always liked about Hoaglander, was that he had energy. And he had a motor. And he was, he just needed to learn a few details of the pro game in North America but he always had that energy, and he always had that enthusiasm, and I think that's helped him along the way. Uh, you're listening to the Halford & Ruff Show on Sportsnet 650. David Amber is coming up next. We'll talk more about the Canucks, uh, but we'll also get into a couple of other stories that happened in the NHL, including an upcoming hearing. I don't know if it's, been, if it's happened yet for uh, Morgan Riley of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, nice shot. Ridley Gregg wound up and then slapped the puck into the net. And he just got leveled by, was that Morgan Riley? Yeah. Who took exception to that? And, and you know what, Greg is down by the bench. Now they got the trainers out. I think he's milking it. But this is this is the 12-year-old kid you want to do the exact same thing to. That 12-year-old child will have an in-person hearing on Tuesday. You're listening to the Halford and Brub Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Brub in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Sorry? Haunting music. Brooding. Uh, We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. (laughs) It's not Halloween, okay? (laughs) Dover. 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 Halloween. I know you want it to be Halloween. Uh, If it was any other sports weekend, we probably would have been talking about the Morgan Riley. And can he not just pronounce his name Ridley Gregg? 
Can we not just call him Ridley Gregg? He's a wannabe Greg. Ridley Gregg? No. What is it? Grieg. Oh, Ridley Grieg. Speaking well, it's from spelled a... like it's spelled like Grieg. In the rid like both names are way off. Yeah. Like Ridley doesn't have an E in it. It's yeah. R I D L Y. Yeah. He should be suspended for his name, honestly. It's true. They should tack it. Has anyone ever been suspended for their name before? <laughs> it should be, right? <laughs> Morgan Riley, the eyes before the E. What's middle, going on? Middle name is Scott. Well, at least that's that's like, it's supposed to be uh, the I before the E, right? No, Riley is R E I L L Y. Everyone knows this. Yeah, I know, I know. No anyway, one anyway. no spells like that's why he's getting more than five games. Anyway, this is, uh, good, this is good sports talk. It was. Now it's over. Um, if it had been any other sports weekend, we probably would have led and talked a lot about this, but we've left it to 6.34 in the morning. And we will discuss this, but not before the Vancouver Canucks with our next guest, uh, Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet NHL host David Amber here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, David. How are you? Good, good. So hold on. I'm confused now. Ridley Grieg? Is that what it is? Ridley Grieg. That's what, I, that's I, what, that's I, what a Greg, and Greg is a Greg, so he gets the final authority on this. Yeah, I, I thought it was Ridley Gregg. But regardless, I do want to start with the Canucks because, David, they almost lost three straight games. And <laughs> it it was really jarring. And they finally got, they got the win in overtime in Washington, but they were very close to going to a shootout. And imagine if they had lost three straight games. Would that have counted as adversity for this Canucks team? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe that's a good maybe that's a good thing, right? We saw Boston rolling through the regular season last year, and it didn't do them very good. So, uh, a little adversity goes a long way. Um, having said that, you you want to compile the points. You want to lock down your spot in, in first in the conference because I think home ice really will be a key come playoff time. But yeah, maybe that's the one thing. If we're going to nitpick about what's been basically a perfect season for the Canucks, maybe if if we're going to do that half. Uh, cup half empty you know sort of pessimism they haven't had a lot of adversity Mm -hmm. and you know there's still 30 games left and you don't you don't even want to put that into the the atmosphere (laughs) but you know they've been very healthy and that's also something where you know other teams haven't been and it's one of those things where you wonder if that moment's going to come ever you don't want to even think about that obviously but uh, having a little bit of adversity is not a bad thing and having to fight through moments when the puck's not going in the net or, you know, Rick Tockett called out the team after that really, you know, horrible performance against the Bruins. And, you know, he made a point of saying, well, it's not just this game. It's been a few games for some of our top players. And, yeah. and I think he, you know, he's trying to kind of keep that mindset of you got to, we got to keep pushing, keep pushing. So it's not a bad thing, all things considered. Well, the Canucks wrap up their road trip Tuesday in Chicago. So a chance to go three, one and one on this uh, very adversity-filled road trip for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, It's been such a turnaround in Vancouver. Now, instead of begging for wins, we're begging for some losses, I guess. I don't know. It's this sports town. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about the Morgan Riley incident. Um, What did you think of the incident, and how many games do you think he's going to get? Well, and I made the great mistake of putting out something into the social media stratosphere, mm-hmm. which, oh, God, I forgot what that's like, yep. um, the anti-social media stratosphere. And our friend and, and colleague, Sat uh, Shaw, you know, basically called it an unhinged response. And and I and I thought of innocuously sort of just putting out, well, you know, it was going to have, there was going to be a response. You know, he must have known that was coming. And everyone took that to me saying, yes, 
you're an idiot and you're a caveman and why why is why is he getting cross-checked to the face and you're justifying it which was not my point at all my point was just that there was going to be a response when you when you do what ridley grieg did so um i think my overall take on it was i love the emotion to be honest with you i love the fact that Ridley Grieg was probably sending a message to the to the legion of Leaf fans that were in Ottawa's home arena watching the game, and maybe to the Maple Leafs themselves. Uh, I like the fact Morgan Riley responded. I think he went over the top, and that's why he's going to be sitting for a period of time. Um, but I like the fact, you know, he, he Ridley Grieg had to know something was coming. You don't you don't do that in such a demonstrative way and expect it just to go unnoticed. So. Uh, you know, Morgan Riley, if he could have a do-over, I'm sure would have just hit him or dropped the gloves or mm-hmm. whatever, said something. He would have done something different than what he did. And there is not really a place in the game for, you know, cross-checking someone towards the face area and, and near the face. Um, having said that, I'm, I totally expected something to happen. And, and I'm sure Ridley Grieg expected something to happen as well. So, how many games he's going to get? I originally thought three to four, and now you know the fact it's an in person. I guess it could be more. And I think Kelly Rudy's initial response on Saturday night was six. Um, what did Rasmus Anderson get earlier this year? Do we remember? I can't. Re- I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember either. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could be. I guess as many as six. First time offender. You know, seven hundred and fifty games played, clean you know, slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that should factor in, but I also, at the same time, know George Peros is going to say, that's not a hockey play. That's a dangerous play. These are the exact type of plays we're trying to get out of the game. I can't just, you know, slap you on the wrist. So I, I guess my, my guess at this point, I originally thought three to four, and now I think it might be five. And I guess conceivably it could be six. So I guess we're talking five or six games now. Uh, Rasmus Anderson had four games, Alfred? Correct, four Alfred for the, charging on Patrick Line. Right, okay. okay. Um, and, and, and the difference there is Line A, remember, got injured and missed a, a fair bit of time. So uh, that might have also factored in in some way, shape, or form, but it was it was same sort of game-ending, non-hockey play type situation. And David, I have a question as a, as a outsider to Toronto um, because I noticed that Sheldon Keefe, you know, he, he went to bat for Morgan Riley, said, I thought the response was appropriate. Their player has the right to do what he wants in that moment, and our players have the right to react, to which I responded. Mm-hmm. And now the NHL has a right to suspend Morgan Riley for that re- reaction, which was an overreaction. But aside from this, um, does Sheldon Keefe look exasperated every second game? Like, he just looks like... He he just looks so frustrated with I don't, his players, the, the results. I realize the Leafs are still in a playoff spot. You know, I don't know if you comfortably, but well, not comfortably. But what's it been mm-hmm. like for him? He looks like a very frustrated head coach. Yeah, I don't know why people want to get into coaching. I really don't. I I kind of liken it to being you know prime minister or president, like. You see what Obama looked like when he walked into the office. Then you see him eight years later. He aged like a hundred years, <laughs> right? Like, and I'm looking at Sheldon Keefe, and I'm going, "Man, oh man!" You know, yeah, the job is stressful, and I think he's he's showing the level of stress on his face and post game. And a few times he said, "You know, I mean, he had a that incredible 
post-game comment where he was like, yeah, when the game's on the line, I don't even know who to put out there. I'm not sure who I can trust. He didn't say that two games into the season. He said that 40 games into the season. I mean, that's pretty – those are pretty strong words coming from a head coach in the National Hockey League. Uh, it's a pressure cooker. It's a pressure cooker everywhere. I don't need to tell the Vancouver market. I mean, look how many head coaches you guys have been through in the last six years, right? Like it is a job of what have you done for me lately? And it's results oriented. And he's clearly feeling the pressure. There's a new GM. Um, you know, he knows what the expectations of this team are. He sees, you know, what happens. You're not getting rid of 20 players and coaches are on the hot seat. I think he's trying to teach them a certain structure and a certain way they have to play the game under different game situations. And it's, it's very inconsistent with this team. And I think it drives them bonkers. And I think it's just hard for him to, to, to hide that. I mean, one thing that differentiates Toronto, you know, I would really say from any other market is just the sheer volume of media. It's not that the questions are different or anything, but it's just, you're dealing with a lot of it every day and it's in your face. So I think at times he just he can't hide his frustration with what's been a pretty frustrating year by and large for the Leafs. You mentioned, you know, they're sitting in a wild card spot and now they're going to lose Morgan Riley, their their top defenseman, by a landslide for a number of games. And if they don't win some of these games where he's missing, you know, when he returns to the Leafs, they won't be sitting in a playoff spot. So uh, there's a lot of pressure and tension right now for Sheldon Keefe, his coaching staff, and really for all the Leaf players as well. We are speaking to David Amber, Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, speaking of teams knocking on the playoff door, the Calgary Flames have surged back into playoff contention. They've won four in a row. They're now three points back of the Blues, basically even in terms of games played. And they're doing this while also trying to navigate the trade deadline and how many of these guys they're going to have to sell off. Obviously, they've already traded Elias Lindholm out to Vancouver. How much attention are you guys paying to this very intriguing story in Calgary where the team seems to be surging, yet the general manager also has to make so many big decisions on so many key guys? I'm taking a lot of time for it. In fact, they're on they're our game tonight. Uh, we have the yeah, Rangers right. one four in a row versus the Flames. Um, you know, I know we get this Toronto media, Toronto media, Toronto media, which I find is such a boring narrative. Most of the guys who are on TV for both Sportsnet and TSN, I can tell you, aren't from Toronto. So it's, it's a funny narrative to me um, that we kind of get painted with this media bias. But I keep an eye on the whole league. I keep a close eye on the Flames. I think they're the most interesting story heading towards March 8th. If you watch on Hockey Night on Saturday, you know, Hannafin and Tanev, it doesn't look like they're going to come to terms based on reports from Eric Francis and Elliot Freeman, et cetera, with either of them, which means they now have to deal these two defensemen and they're right there on the precipice <laughs> of a playoff spot. I find it, the whole thing so intriguing and maybe they can do what they did with Vancouver. And it, it's not like totally training for futures because Manko in Lindholm out. And it's been sort of a wash as far as, you know, how, how the players have performed, I guess, in their first few games. And if they can somehow move Hannafin and Tanev and get some futures, but also get some guys they could plug in, maybe they can still make a playoff run. I think it'd be really hard to expect them without Tanev and Hannafin if they're just going to trade for prospects and, and draft choices to, to, um, to, to necessarily make a playoff run. But uh, it's there. And, and the one real difference, uh, the, the playoff spot's right there for them. The one difference between them and, and some of the teams they're up against is they've got Jacob Markstrom, and he's looking a lot like the Vancouver Canucks all-star Jacob Markstrom. Like, he's playing on that yeah. level again, guys. And that's a big difference maker. And you guys see that with Badger Demko night in, night out. So, 
Um, they're right there. It's an interesting story. If they can sweep this road trip tonight uh, against the Rangers, their next games against San Jose, they're definitely going to be able to have a chance to have some legitimate momentum and possibly be in a playoff spot. You know, come trade deadline on March 8th, they could be, you know, conceivably sitting in a playoff spot. But Craig Conroy has some big decisions to make, and certainly you don't want to do too many crazy things just to make the playoffs this year. And they're not going to have a Johnny Gaudreau situation. Like these players are going to be dealt if they're not going to be re-signed. So uh, that's, to me, the biggest domino right there before the trade deadline is what the Calgary Flames do in the next few weeks. You mentioned you got the Flames and Rangers tonight on Sportsnet. It's a big night for the Pacific Division. You got the Kraken playing in New Jersey, Coyotes playing mm-hmm. in Philly, and then you got the Golden Knights hosting the Wild. So it's a big night uh, for all the teams around the Vancouver Canucks in the standings. But as you mentioned, Flames in Madison Square Garden take on the Rangers. David, thanks for doing this today. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. It should be a good one. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Love being on the show, and uh, yeah, enjoy the games. We'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. That's David Amber, Sportsnet NHL Hockey Night Canada host here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. So it was a crazy busy sports weekend. Um, we had the Super Bowl. We had uh, two Canucks games, not one, but two Canucks games. There are other stories in the NHL. But I didn't want to go through the entire first hour without congratulating Abbotsford's Nick Taylor, for yet another superb win on the PGA Tour. This is, of course, the guy who had that bomb putt to win the Canadian Open mm. not too long ago. Um, it was almost unfortunate for Nick Taylor that his win actually came during the Super Bowl. Yep. So at our Super Bowl party, um, we had the game on, the Super Bowl on, obviously, but all of us were watching Nick Taylor on our phones, and this guy just kept jarring putts. Like, it wasn't like the bomb at the Canadian Open, but he just looked so comfortable over putts of, you know, 10 to 15 feet. He just kept making them, and he made one in the playoff, but uh, Charlie Hoffman also made his, and then, then he made another to actually win it down at the Waste Management Open. So congratulations to Nick Taylor from Abbotsford. Another PGA Tour win for this guy, and we chatted with Adam Stanley just a few days ago, and we asked him, you know, which Canadian are you most excited about for the season, and he said Nick Taylor because, and he said, you know, a, a lot of it was because of that Canadian Open win, and can he build on that? Well, he's building on it, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe now Nick Taylor is Canada's best bet at some of these upcoming majors. The the Masters is not far away. It's coming up in April, um, so congratulations to him. But there were two stories, I think, from this tournament that were worth mentioning. Number one, we, we just did. Nick Taylor won it. But the wider golf world was talking about the Waste Management Tournament, which has become a tradition on Super Bowl weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's grown from a tournament where – it was a little different for the fans. Like people would get excited. They're maybe a little bit more boisterous. Maybe it was a, it was a younger crowd there, and the number the 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 par three number sixteen. People go a little bit crazy on that hole compared to your average golf tournament. Well, the PGA Tour has created a monster. Yep. Down at the Waste Management Open and. I was watching scenes from this tournament um, all weekend on, on social media. There were 
fights. Like there were brawls. Um, they had some unusual wet weather down there. So fans were doing like the shirts off sliding down muddy hills. There are all sorts of pictures of like college age kids just being like blackout drunk. You know, it, it was just, it, it looked like it looked crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I also saw some clips of some golfers getting really frustrated. Yeah, and and yelling at the gallery, uh, Zach Johnson got frustrated. Billy Horschel, I think. Jordan yelled, Spieth. Jordan Spieth was frustrated. And I do wonder, it's funny because like, I know I'm getting old because I'm like 20 years ago, I would have been like, oh, the Waste Management Open. That's a bucket list event for me. Like go to that on Saturday and then watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, especially, you know, if the Super Bowl is in Glendale or whatever. Like what a what a great weekend that would be. Now I look at that tournament and I'm like, I would not want to be there. It is too loud and too boisterous. And it feels it feels like it's almost become like like an Instagram tournament as opposed to a golf tournament where it has a nice little wrinkle to it, where the 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 players are on board with it. They 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 encourage the fans to you know cheer on sixteen or whatever. They want to hear the noise. And and now I wonder if they're going to have to dial this thing back because it was out of control. They had to shut off liquor sales on Saturday. Well, and they had to close the course to fans because they had too many spectators showing up and they couldn't accommodate them all. It just it became or it's become. Uh, a tournament, and you see the, the downside of excess, right? There's too much booze. There's too many people. There's too much of a drunk factor. Like, you can go and it's have a, a good it's time. It's a big frat party now, right? And, and the problem yeah, I mean, They're still trying to run a golf tournament. Look, I think it's an appropriate time to bring this up because everyone just probably went to a Super Bowl party except for the losers who had to sit and watch by themselves. But everyone else that got to go hang out with a group of people, <laughs> you probably went, and you there was a bunch of booze being served. Everyone knows a bad drunk. Everyone's got a friend who just they can't handle their liquor and they they go out and they make fools of themselves. Imagine that guy or gal times uh, 2000 at the Waste Management Open. There's just too many people that can't just, you know, enjoy it to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. It's you got to like the habitual line stepping of it all because that's what you saw in years prior. It was a rowdy and it was a tad unruly, but everyone kind of. It was en- still about the golf, though. Enjoyed it. It was and still the player- about the golf. Like 16, that was right. the whole, right? And people. And, and the players you know- understood that 16 is probably different from the 17 other holes on the course, right? Mm. Like, this is the one where you kind of have to. Maybe someone's going to yell in the middle of your backswing and you're just going to have to deal with it. But now it's turned into this thing. I think you astutely pointed out it, it's kind of a social media tournament. Where everyone is trying to get as inebriated as they can to do the most outlandish thing that they can. Like, there was a spectator that had to leave the grounds uh, in an ambulance because he fell from the scaffolding. Right. Right? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what happens. And I think the PGA Tour, um, it's the double edged sword of it all. Like, you want to lean into this being your Mm kind of cool event. You could tell the broadcasters were really struggling to walk the line of still promoting the event as this fun event, but also being like, that's a little. They were saying yesterday, um, because Sunday is normally a little calmer than Saturday. Saturday's the day, right? Mm -hmm. The Super Bowl's not on, so you're not going to miss the Super Bowl. So you go on Saturday, start of the weekend. And then Sunday, it's more about letting the players do their job because, you know, it's Sunday and they're trying to win the tournament or they're trying, they're trying to have a good finish. Um, and I think that's what was frustrating a lot of the players. 
Anyway, congratulations to Nick Taylor who battled through all of that and made some huge clutch putts down the stretch. I didn't want to go the first whole first hour without mentioning Nick Taylor from Abbotsford because yeah. that was a great win. And all of us watching the games on the TV and the golf on our phones uh, enjoyed that win. Uh, lots to come on the Halford and Bruff show. We do have an open segment on the other side. So we'll go into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650, 650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Lander on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Lander Center or Butist in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Thank you so much for, to David Amber for joining us on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. Uh, Mike Tannier is going to join us at 7.30 for a Super Bowl recap and perhaps a bit of a look at the upcoming offseason. Brett Festerling, Canucks pl- uh, color guy, uh, on the radio with Batch for both games this weekend. Uh, the loss in Detroit, the win in Washington, will also join us on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline at 8 o'clock. Uh, text in questions, comments into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Uh, we will answer them on the other side of the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.